Welcome to Uncommon Sense. Craig Kamanis and Dean Holmes host Uncommon Sense, where they discuss key business ideas on how to improve financial planning businesses. Thanks for listening and on to the next episode. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Uncommon Sense number 21. Craig Kamanis and Dean Holmes here with you again today. And uh, we have Absolutely. a very special guest, Mr. Raymond Pakotic, who's the Managing Director of Empire Financial Group, which is a leading advice practice in Western Australia. And it's been a massive week. We've had the race that stopped the nation. We've had another interest rate rise. And now we have got our best dressed guest ever on Uncense. So welcome, Raymond. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks, Craig. And thanks, Dean, for having me along. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit out of out of my depth here, given I'm not wearing a T-shirt. But more importantly, I see um, the two of you there with those two big microphones, and I'm feeling very inadequate over here. I feel like <laughs> my uh, my sound system isn't uh, isn't up to scratch. No, mate, I'm sure you're fine. You're coming through loud and clear. So wonderful. Uh... We're very thankful for you giving us your time on Uncommon Sense today. Mate, where I wanted to kick off with you, Raymond, is perhaps just a little bit about yourself and and your business there in Western Australia. All right. Where do we start with that? The Empire Financial Group has has been operating in this in this setup since 2006. So in our in our 16th year now. The business was started back in 2006 by me, empty filing cabinet lots of clear space in my then paper diary and yeah just got to work bit by bit building building the networks building the client base i guess over that journey we've we've grown now to to a staff of almost 20 people most of that was done organically we did have a uh, an acquisition that we that we brought into the business a couple of years ago but up until that point yeah the business has, has just been steadily growing so yeah that's we're a self-licensed practice operate under a couple of different dealer groups back in the day and made the move about three years ago to our own license as well. Operating here out of East Perth, not far from the Optus Stadium that you can see sitting there in the background. I don't know what else you'd like me to say, Craig. Is that, is no, that, is think, that enough uh, as a bit of an intro? I think that's a, that's a great intro, mate. And uh, you know, one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on to Uncommon Sense is this constant conversation that's been going on where there's a, you know, the industry versus the profession. And and you and I have had several chats about this in the past, and and we know that there is an industry and a profession, in fact. But I really love your view on the profession, but more so, I really love your view on the way your whole team and your advice business should be viewed and the roles within that advice business. And so I thought it was a really important topic to share with our listeners today. So can you run us through your view on the profession and how you see your business and the people that work for you and the way that you've structured that up. Yeah. Look, your, your point is, is correct. I think that there's, there's been a bit of a shift lately to, to us hurling towards wanting everybody that's attached to financial planning or financial services to be, to be seen as part of the, part of the profession. But I don't think that there's anything wrong with us acknowledging that there is an industry there and that the industry exists. I think what we've probably done is we've categorized the wrong people as belonging to the industry versus versus the, the, the profession. And this is 
and we've had this discussion before, Craig, and it's something that you know, I've raised with lots of other colleagues and peers over the years. Certainly, the advice, the advice profession as we see it today has evolved out of an industry. And if we go back to its nucleus, we talk about the life insurance industry and life insurance agent who were very much attached to the insurance industry. And I guess then with the, with the rise of superannuation throughout the 90s and, and those insurance companies getting involved in, in, running, in running superannuation funds and corporate superannuation funds and having that ready distribution team of life insurance agents there that they, they piggybacked off to, to deliver and distribute their superannuation products. And then the evolution of, of financial planning coming out of that nucleus of, of superannuation and the rise of superannuation over the last 30 years in Australia meant that we have had an evolution from this industry that was once upon a time that, that life insurance slash superannuation industry. I think that they're clearly from, from a regulatory and from a legislative perspective of late, there's been a forced decoupling of, of advice from, from product and therefore a decoupling of advice away from the industry and a separation of advice from industry and therefore People who are in the who are who are in the business of giving advice are part of the profession, while those who are still involved in the manufacture of services, products, or anything ancillary to the delivery of that, whether that's fund managers, whether that's platform providers, whether that's dealer groups, whether that's and the fact that those people may be very much professionals in their own right and, and professionals in the functions that they provide within those companies that they operate in. Those people form part of the financial services industry. And then we have advisors who form part of the, the financial planning profession. So, so I think there's been a forced decoupling of that, but there's certainly been, there's certainly been a, a strong group of people who have been leading that charge, irrespective of regulation, irrespective of legislation. and. I'd like to think that we, we and you know, I had started instilling some of those aspects of that decoupling within Empire Financial Group well, well before there was any requirement to do so. So I guess I, I look at going back now post GFC, there was, thankfully I was only, I was only in the business for a few years. So there wasn't a big move, moving ship that, that needed to change course. It was a pretty small business. So I could afford to be quite nimble in the changes that I made, but I identified back then that there was that requirement to decouple advice from funds under management. Therefore, there was a requirement to, to decouple fees from funds under management and move to a more professionalized model where we were advising clients based on the services that, re that they required, the, the level of service they required, the complexity of the, of the advice that they were seeking and charging them, charging them appropriately and according to that. So I think that was probably the first step was, was decoupling advice from the industry that sat behind it. And that evolution is, that, that was the start of that evolution within, within our business to move towards that more professionalized model. Great. And now talk to us about your team members, mate, like, because traditionally through and probably still today, we'd say you have advisors and support staff. Mm. True or false? <laughs> I hate the term. I, and, and, and that's a load of questions, a bit of a Dorothy Dixon. Thank you for that one, Craig, <laughs> because we've had this discussion many times and I don't know how much longer we've got to go on this particular episode, but yeah, if you want, <laughs> you can strap yourself in and I'll talk about this forever i think i think professionalism yeah there's that there's that saying they say you know, charity starts at home professionalism starts in our offices we've for too long been waiting for other people to tell us what is required for us to be considered a professional 
We're waiting for we're waiting for regulatory bodies. We're waiting for professional bodies. We're waiting for legislators, lawmakers to tell us what steps we need to take before we can tick these boxes to become a professional. And I think there's there's certainly some very important parts of that of that process that that we as professional advisors need to embark on. Certainly, education standards being being number one. We can't continue to go on and. And, and this is no disrespect to to those to those long-standing advisors who entered this entered this business and entered this vocation at a time when when requirements were, were very different. We can't be judging them or the work that that they've done based on on today's standards. And they've certainly got a lot to give and have over over the decades. So again, this is no disrespect or looking to discredit their contribution to 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 the evolution of this profession and also to the work that they've done for their clients. And I think that in addition to that, that at some point a line in the sand needed to be drawn, and that education standards were were the number one step towards towards professionalism. But what we've done is we've 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 introduced these steps and these hurdles into our businesses to align ourselves more closely with with other professionals and the expectations of other professionals and the ones that i look to are the ones that we and if i'm going to if i'm going to run some comparisons here the ones that i look to are the ones that we find most commonly in our in our ecosystem and the other professionals that we work and i'm sure most other practices would in the same way we work most closely with accountants and in what we do to deliver services to our clients so so i look to the way that they that they run their businesses i look to the way that, that those professions manage manage their professionalism as a, as a really good measuring stick for how for, for how we should also be presenting ourselves because if we're wanting to delivering these services in tandem and 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 it, i'll say there's an ecosystem we need lawyers, we need the accountants, the accountants need the financial advisors, the, the lawyers need the accountants and so forth. We all need to work in tandem. Well, we need to therefore all present ourselves at that same level of professionalism. So education standards, first and foremost, I think were and, and therefore are a must. But what we've done is we've brought in this aspect of the professionalism that we see from other professions. But what we're still doing is we're still holding on to some of these old life insurance agent notions where the the rainmaker the person bringing in the business is 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 this important person and therefore and if you think about the old days and I'm going to use some incredibly old school stereotypical language but just to reinforce how old school this thinking is you had the life insurance agent who was out there and he'd be going out and he'd be winning all of the business and then he had the girls in the office who took care of all of the paperwork all right so We've had this 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 separation between you know, the, the the person out there who was seeing the clients and writing the business was this really really important person, and then we had the support staff who were just there to kind of mop things up. That that is still entrenched in our thinking, I believe. But we're not talking about in that in that old sense about you know, the agent or or some of those older terminologies. But we talk about it in the sense of an authorized representative. So we have professional now and the professional years are all working towards somebody establishing themselves as an AR. So the pinnacle of your professional year is to become a provisional advisor and then to become an authorized rep. So at that point, we consider that the person who has then become the authorized rep is the professional and everybody else is support staff. Mm. To, to, to not use a strong word, I call bulldust on that. I have a look at, so we talk about education standards. So we want, so we're, we're encouraging people to go into university and 
let's say they're, they're going down this financial commerce sort of path and they're choosing they're choosing their majors and we've got two people who have started university at the same time and let's let's use accountants and financial planners as an example here one embarks on an accounting major and the other embarks on a financial planning major so they finish their degree they finish on friday and both of them start work on monday that graduate accountant walks into that accounting firm now they walk in completely green they don't know anything about anything about what it takes to deliver accounting services mm-hmm. um, to those clients so what do they do they do all of the you know all of the 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 really basic administrative, quite mundane administrative tasks that are involved yep. in the in, in the generation of yep. those accounting services to, to that end client. However, when they walk in on day one as that graduate accountant, not knowing anything, their title is accountant. Now, if someone came to them and asked them for any sort of accounting advice, tax, audit, insolvency, I mean, all the different, all the different strains of accounting that they can go down, they'd have no clue. And people will identify, look, you're pretty young and you're pretty green, so I'm probably not going to go to you for that advice. But they're a professional from day one and they walk in and they can say, I'm an accountant. We take an equally qualified person. We get somebody who's come out of that same, same commerce degree, who's spent the same amount of time at uni. We bring them in on day one, and the title that we give them is client client, client service officer, client service officer, administrative assistant, yep. you know, para planner. Yeah, we so we, we give them these titles that from day one relegate them to being a second class citizen. Yeah, it's 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 segregation. So I what mean, do uh, you because we can't call them an advisor though until they're an authorized rep. So what is the what is the title that gives them the recognition for the fact that they've just finished a degree, but doesn't put, put them down in terms of, you know, the administration? Correct. Well, so look, everyone's going to come up with different titles. My, my, my thinking is, well, why can't we, if somebody's coming out with a financial planning major, why can't we call them a financial advisor in the same way that we call a graduate accountant an accountant, the way that we call a graduate lawyer a lawyer the, the really strange thing about about lawyers is being called a lawyer is probably the bottom of of the food chain they start off as lawyers and then they go and become associates yeah. and senior associates we got it the other way around right but <laughs> we bring these guys in and as yeah so so they start off they might be an associate and then they'll move on to being to being the advisor so yeah my my, my thoughts on this is well why can't we say that they're a that they're a financial advisor but we recognize that there are people of different degrees of of, of training and evolution. Not every not every financial advisor needs to be licensed and authorized. In the same way, not every accountant is a registered tax agent. Mm. Not every accountant is a registered company auditor. Not every accountant is a is a is a liquidator. You've got someone in each one of those offices who's signing off on things, but you've certainly got accountants doing work that contributes to that. So why can't we have financial advisors who do the same? Now, while we can't do that, what I've employed in our office is a methodology of recognizing the professionalism of of these people that we have in our office, not relegating them to any sort of second class citizen status. There's no para this or I look at para planners. I mean, goodness, what a what a term, para planner. The para planners, if we want to call them that, in my office are more qualified than me. Mm. Yeah. Right? They're not para anything. In most cases, they are the planners, 
right? They're the ones who are actually doing the planning. Yeah, you know, I've got guys, my parapartner's got master's degrees. We've got two guys in here with actuarial actuarial science and applied statistics degrees. Yeah, these guys are, are the ones who are actually crawling in and doing that nuts and bolts planning, right? Now, the difference there is that they're not the ones who are then going forward and actually presenting that advice to the, to the clients. But that's no different to the way that in an accounting firm, a, a, a partner will have a, a partner will have the relationship potentially. The partner will be the one who might bring in the work. The partner is one who will who will nurture that relationship. The partner is the one who may be delivering that together with maybe some sort of senior manager. But we'll then have all those other, from the intermediates all the way down to the graduate accountants who are still professional staff delivering that. That's the way that I see things here is that you might have what we call, so the advisor, the AR, may be the one who can sign off on the advice and is the one who's probably winning and nurturing that relationship and presenting that advice. But there are planners that are sitting behind that person from all different stages of development who are delivering that. So while we can't call them financial advisors or financial planners, we want to give these professionals in our office the dignity of being treated as the professionals as they are. So when I say professionalism starts in the office, our, our para planners, we call them technical advisors. We cannot call them financial advisors. So the term that we give them is technical advisors. They are the technicians. They are the ones who are who are building these strategies, who are, who, are, who are being recognized for the technical advice that they are in this process. What some other practices may consider a client services manager, client services officer. We, we call these professionals, we call them account managers. So the, the, the account managers are the ones who are, who are nurturing and providing all of these ongoing services to our clients, but these people in their own right are professionals as well. So yeah, I said it's it's important that we that we have that that we have that professionalism starting in our office. Mm. And Raymond, are they are all of these people destined to be the the rainmaker or the authorized representative, or do you think that they're actually comfortable in their role that they're heading in this back call it back office, but they still obviously talk to clients and and do the strategy, but. Is that where they're comfortable? Because I think often we push all people to become advisors when actually lots of people are technically competent, but don't necessarily want to be in front of the client 100% of the time. I think there are certainly people who, who would prefer not to be that person sitting in front of the client. And sometimes they only actually recognize that once they've actually been given the opportunity to do that, to do that, that sort of work. Yep, and then they, and then they and then they recognise. Okay, well, my, my strengths may be maybe somewhere. What I think is occurring because we have this really strong and entrenched separation of what is of what is a professional and then what is support staff. I think that there is. It, it appears like becoming the AR has to be the holy grail yeah. for me yeah. in order for me to be recognised as the professional. So that becomes the end. The end goal. I want to be the AR because when I become that AR that's when I'll be finally recognized as the professional that I believe that I am. So, so for those who want to do that, we certainly have the pathways for them to do that. And, and, and I think that's one of the important things about being part of a growing business. And I think a lot of people, when they're sitting in a business where they are potentially capped, they might be an advisor with a, with a group of clients. And unless that, that client, that advisor decides to either retire or, 
something catastrophic happens, there's a there's a really strong glass ceiling there. So that that person who's not actually seeing the clients will always be always be stuck in that support in that support role and that support terminology. We want to create an environment where we are growing and where we have continued continued flow of new opportunities for the young talent that we're bringing in and that and that we're nurturing. So we want to give them that clear pathway for those who want to pursue becoming a planner. Um, And at the same time, what we also want to do is we want to, if the industry, if the profession, if, 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 if regulation is preventing people from feeling like they are the profession, unless they get to that, to that holy grail, we want to at least in our office, create the environment where they know that they're respected for the professional that they are, for the professional that they are, even if they don't have that AR status. It's a damn good call, Raymond. And I think all of us have a responsibility with this. And that is that it, it's perfectly okay to work in an advice firm and not feel like you have to shoot to be the advisor because you can be a professional in very other strong roles that are very, very important as you've articulated sort of in your chat just now right across an advice business. And that's how we get more people wanting to join advice firms and more people wanting to to come into financial advice through the universities and stuff. Yeah, there's a um, there's there's plenty of professionals sitting in other in other professions that aren't necessarily said that that rainmaker and a very, very competent and recognized professionals for they are they're just not the person who's to going out and 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 winning a client or or nurturing a client that doesn't make them any less a professional and that's what is important for us as as practice owners to recognize mm. i think it's a it's a direction that's important that we that we look at that you know i said we i get i get and it's interesting so when you think about you know from an industry perspective we'll get bdms all the time wanting to come in and i want to speak to to the advisors or to you know although i want to speak to me and yeah, we tell them that I am probably the, the 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 important person for you to be speaking to. I'm not the guy who's making decisions on on some of these day to day choices. That that it's it's the technical technical advisors in most cases who are faced with a situation, and they're the ones who are assessing those different choices and and then are providing those recommendations together with the AR to say, well, mm. what are we going to be doing here? But they're the ones who are, who are screening and doing the initial due diligence and and are, and are putting forward their initial recommendations before the AR then signs off on that advice and is, and is comfortable in delivering that to the, to the, to the, to the clients. But even I said, the BDMs will come. So, and they kind of feel like they're a little bit disappointed if they haven't got to speak to that advisor. Like, oh, well, their KPIs, they cap their yeah. KPIs mean that they have to speak to the advisor. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you say, but guys like, yeah, recognize that these are the important people in the, in the practices. So, so how do you recognize are- them in front of clients? How do you, how, because that's one element because you can yep. elevate them internally. And we've had a question about this as well. Always how, do, how, what things are you doing in front of your client to elevate the people that might be in the meeting with you or the people that are outside the door? Yeah, really good question. A couple of things. I mean, even from, from the very beginning, if you go onto our website, for example, you'll, you'll, you'll note when we, when we put our team on there, we talk about our advice team and our advice team, we have our, our ARs and non-ARs, but all of our professional staff are all jumbled in there. There's no hierarchy. As, as they've joined the business, they get they get put on there. So you know, you'll have a technical advisor followed by a financial advisor followed by an account manager followed by another by another financial advisor, for example. But we 
but we put them all into these, this is your advice team. Our support team is different. And I look at that, for example, our support team, and I look at our office accountant, our internal finance manager, she's she's a CPA, worked for, for Big Four, and she's a professional in her own right. But within, within our business, she's not part of the delivery of our professional services. She forms part of our practice management and practice support. So uh, the first thing that we do is we is is when anybody looks at our at our website, we we elevate these people to the same mm. advice delivery standard at AR and non AR. When 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 the clients are coming in and when we talk about we have a standard presentation that we put any new prospective clients through and we talk about what the process is and we talk about the people who are going to be delivering different parts of the service. We have all of their photos sitting up on that presentation. So we say, right, when you start working with us, Okay, number one, see these guys here and we put their photos and their names up and we talk about who they are, what their experience is, what their qualifications are and what they're doing in this part of the advice process and the fact that you're going to be dealing with these people and they're going to be delivering this part of the service for you. Then we move on to the next part of the stage and these are then the people that you're going to be dealing with. And we give those those people visibility in front of the client from day one so that they're expecting to be dealing with them. And they're the ones they've got they've got free reign to pick up the phone speak to the client obtain all all the things that they need manage that relationship in that part of that process wherever possible we want these guys sitting in on on any of the client meetings we want them to actually see how their strategies are being delivered and how they're how they're unfolding admittedly of late we've just got time constraints and it's we all know where the labor market is at the moment and we're all incredibly busy and trying to get more from from the same amount of people. So we give them the opportunity for them to manage their own time, as many meetings as they want to sit in in a week. You can sit in as many meetings as, as you want to sit on, but we encourage it every Monday morning to sit down and say, okay, who do you want to sit in on? Which clients are, are appropriate and which meetings do you want to be part of? So we're, we're, we're putting them front and center as part of the professional team from day one. Yeah, brilliant. And I think this is part of if we need to, as business owners, need to work out how essentially each AR needs to be able to look after more clients because that we're not making any more advisors and there's an increased demand for our services. So we've got to work out how we can get more people in front of the client at different points in time. And in lots of spots, you don't necessarily need to be an authorized representative to talk to a client. And I think that that's an uncertain but changing part is that you don't need to be an advisor to sign up a client to the service necessarily. Sure, a statement of advice needs to be presented by an advisor, but there's lots of jobs I think advisors do in that entire spectrum that our, using your words, Raymond, that our professional staff can do underneath us to mean that the advisor's time is spent in other areas. I wouldn't even say underneath us, I would say alongside us. Yeah. There's a comment that's come through from, from one of the listeners and watchers and they've talked about they give their all of their staff and I'm assuming it's when you hear it, you know, office staff, non-AR staff, business cards. We do the same thing. Give them the card because okay, even though the cards are perhaps a bit of a dying, a dying business tool, it does give someone that that feeling that, okay, I'm important, this is credible. Yep. But the other thing is that if they are out networking, and this is the other thing that 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 we encourage. We encourage all all professional staff, not only encourage, it's it's part of their it's part of their KPIs to get out there and start and start networking. We want them out there flying the flag for our business. So you know, these guys are representatives of Empire. These 
particularly some of these younger grads coming through, they are, they are just, they're, they're, they're smart, they're presentable, they're personable, they're great ambassadors, great brand ambassadors for your business. Get them out there. Get them. Get them speaking to people. They're, again, they don't need to be. They don't need to be the the, the rainmaker or you know or the one that's actually there in front of the client and and generating the revenue from that from that client engagement perspective. To be out there and to be seen as professionals and to be seen as as a representative and as an ambassador for your business. And if they want to then have that pathway towards one day being somebody who manages and this is not just client relationships internal relationships because again there's other professional aspects to what we do you might be running a team of technical advisors you may be running a team of account managers you may be moving into a into an operations role a compliance role still part of the of the professional delivery and you need to manage potentially a team of people you need to manage all your other external stakeholders so having having those people skills and that ability to build a network is, is is very important. So again, we want to we, we want these guys to develop as professionals. It's too late to get them out there doing these things once they've done their AR. So let's get them out there and let's get them immersed in this. Let's get them put out into into the into the professional community as 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 professionals and to be seen by those others in that advice ecosystem as 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 the professionals that they are. Yeah, no, nah, they're all they're all very good points, Raymond, and we do appreciate you, I guess, sharing with our network how how you've been going about it. And I think it's it's something that we all need to remain focused on right through all of the roles in all of our businesses, whether you're in the industry side or whether you're in the profession side. This needs to reflect through all of the people that work for all of our businesses because the reality is every single person has a very important function. And we know that without it. <laughs> these businesses won't function. So we really do appreciate your insights, mate. If that's any, if that's ever been highlighted, it is, I think, again, in this current labor environment, these these people that have traditionally been seen as support staff are now more than ever being being highlighted as as for for just how important they are. Yeah. Because yeah, we, we need them as part of that process. They are an integral part of the delivery of our professional service. Yeah. Yeah, well, well said. said. Well said. Well, Dean, that might be a might be a wrap for today. But you know, I know in some episodes coming up, we're going to talk to some other business owners about how they attract and retain into their business as well, which will continue along this theme. So we're we're looking forward to to having those chats. But Raymond, thank you for joining us on Uncommon Sense number twenty one. We've appreciated your insights a hell of a lot. Wonderful. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Thanks so Dean. much, Raymond. Cheers. Okay. Yes. See Bye, everyone. everyone. Bye.